So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Should I start over? No, it's okay. I, I hit the thing. We're going. Okay. All right. Uh, welcome to Feature Creep, colon. <laughs> I feel like a train that's very slowly moving yes. almost imperceptibly out yes. of the station. Uh, I think we're going. Uh, Built-in microwave, semicolon. Uh, backhanded compliments, just like your grandmother used to make. That's right. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> you know, it also occurs to me that we'll need to do um update on the war on Christmas. Uh, yeah. As is tradition, but we'll yep. we'll get to that. I think we have time between now and Christmas. But this will be a this will be like a sort of um, grandmotherly, warm and cozy hot cocoa. Like get your hot cocoa. <laughs> it's time to get in in the mood for Christmas time, family holiday shit. Because right. I I really enjoy the quality of um, a good backhanded compliment. Personally, mm-hmm. um, if. If you can find a way to distance yourself, and I was lucky enough to do this with my own grandmother where I was able to continue having a good relationship with her and only just be amazed at the level of backhandedness she could like deliver at any given moment. Um, you know, like all of her con, like, so I guess the question is um, maybe we should start from the beginning, go more backer. So, first of all, this is a podcast. You already knew that because you downloaded it. You probably already, um, it seems like we have pretty good re- recurring fans. Like we just kind of, yeah. um, but anyway, um, if you don't know, you can email us. Uh, you can email actually uh, our CEO, Dana, D-A-N-A at FCBM.io. And you can tell us all about your thoughts about our podcast and why you think we're doing it wrong or why you think we're doing it right or whatever you want to do. But that's how you can engage. You can get a hold of us. We don't have like a massive um, influx of emails right now. So like now's a good time if you actually want to get a hold of somebody and have to deal with the consequences of your words, um, <laughs> which will be mild. We may, you know, we'll be like, oh, hey, thanks for letting us know you had an idea. Um, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, where was I going? Oh, so backhanded compliments. So this right. podcast, we're going to talk about backhanded compliments. And, um, you know, this is a kind of, uh, what's it called? Um an idiom. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did a podcast many uh, a, a couple of years ago, actually, about idioms that we really enjoyed. So this is another kind of yes. English idiom. Um, a backhanded compliment is uh, a compliment that implies it is not really a compliment at all. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like so. For instance, on MerriamWebster.com, where I read that definition, their example is: she paid me a backhanded compliment when she said my work was surprisingly good. <laughs> And because the expectation, of course, if you deconstruct it, is that the work was not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I so along those lines, like I think a lot of compliments end up feeling that way. Like I get the like getting this at work. Someone saying you did so much work today. Oh. When it's like, you know, I've been working for this company for two years and what like oh today yeah like every day like um there's also like so go ahead 
Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think like a, a hallmark of a backhanded compliment for me is when somebody says the compliment and then immediately undoes the compliment with yes. a further comment. So like yeah. one time my grandma noticed, oh, you dyed your hair. And she said, your hair looks great, except you need a root job. And I was like, I literally just did this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> like it, it was fine. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know. I... I have like over the years of observing backhanded compliments, I try to keep my admiration for other people's like visual presentation to mm -hmm. I like that thing there. Like just yeah. not, not even like you look good or I mean, right. I, you know, maybe, but like, cause it's tricky, right? Cause it's like, at some point it's like, oh, does that mean like I normally don't? Or, you know, I try to just recognize right. it's like, oh, you told me you did this thing. I like that you did that thing. It looks cool. Oh, I right. like the color of your hair, whatever. Um, but even that's like a little bit <laughs> you can get Iffy. real slippery slope, like really quick, yeah. you know. <laughs> um <clears throat> I have to run to the bathroom. Okay. Well, which I'm is going terrible to, timing. Yeah, it is terrible timing, but you know what? Um that's how we roll with these podcasts. So I will just right. entertain the troops while you okay. um I'll be right back. While yeah. pee. So while okay. uh Meg goes pee, <laughs> I'll talk more about the podcast. So um is if this is your first podcast, uh mostly we get off topic pretty quick. Um the other thing that we do is we try to um talk about things relatively about art and design. Um and also uh we try to do everything in one take so like one of our one of our workflows for this is to just kind of like do everything in one take so that we don't have to do a lot of editing and we're able to like turn out more episodes and after like one after another um lately we've been kind of falling behind with like life stuff so we haven't been quite up to the like once a week levels that we were for a while um though we do have a backlog so we'll probably if you're listening to this um, hopefully in the near future, uh, there will be even more episodes that have come out since then. Um, and we're trying to kind of work back towards getting back on top of that. Um, <clears throat> so, but on the topic of backhanded compliments, um, this is sort of the way that we come around to like these topics is usually like Meg and I have like an ongoing, um, like text message chain between us. And then like, when we think of things, we sort of tag them as a, a possible podcast topic and earlier uh yesterday i had um sent uh meg a message that was i like it quickly turned into kind of a funny i mean i don't know if it was that funny but it turned into a bit of a backhand band backhanded compliment um so i'm i'm explaining how we got to this topic because right. i had texted you and i had said um that I appreciate the things you do in my life. And then I was like, I basically um, made an analogy that uh, you're like an annoying stain on my otherwise perfectly serviceable shirt that I can't stop right. noticing, um, which I like that was very intentionally like backhanded, but then yes. that made me think of the backhanded compliments. And then I thought immediately just like grandma used to make. It was greatly appreciated. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. because I come from a like if I was from a family that said nice things to each other and meant it, <laughs> I might be confused. But I'm from the type of family who when you show up to your nephew's Christmas choir concert, you get punched instead of greeted. <laughs> right. So <laughs> Which is we're laughing because otherwise it's just tears and sadness. Um, <laughs> right. You have to laugh or you'll like, cry. Yeah, like this family. is not a good thing. Like it's not there's nothing about 
backhanded compliments are good. Um, right. I mean, I like to think that between you and I, uh, it's pretty clear that like me making an hy- hyperbole of an, a compliment or a backhanded compliment like that is is to be to to kind of point out the absurdity yes. of shit. Um, yes, yeah. I, I, it's like. Unlike our families, we make backhanded compliments to each other with love. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Because like you mean so much to me, like everything that you do in my life is like super important and Same. it's like this big impact. And, um, and I can say that unadulterated, like I have no fear of that, but I do enjoy like the way that we can like both be in on the joke and be like, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, well you look pretty good for a knock kneed little boy today. Like, just, which <laughs> by the way is something that my grandmother said to me and it sticks in my mind. And the reason it sticks in my mind is because I didn't know what knock kneed meant. Uh-huh. And I spent like, like six months trying to keep my knees apart after that. Like, oh, like no. it was just like, I I remember you telling me about this and like you put yourself through like physical torture to avoid being knock kneed, (laughs) even though it's just a throwaway comment. Yeah, like it doesn't mean anything. And it's not like it's it's a weird observation of like maybe how I was standing in one moment or something. It's not like I'm like you don't have polio. No, there's nothing wrong with your knees. Just for anyone who hasn't met Ned in person, there's nothing unusual about his knees. (laughs) They're (laughs) They're not like aligned strangely. You're not pigeon toed. So you walk weird. Like, no, and just, and like, even if I was like, that's not, it's just like, (laughs) It's such a right. weird thing to say to somebody because as we've discussed, like the appearance of like, there's too much indivi- individuality and like variability to like ever be like, oh, you're within the norm. Like, I yeah. guess my knees are within the standard deviation of some ar- arbitrary, like, you know, I don't know. And as an adult, like, I don't really give a fuck as much anymore. Right. It's like mm-hmm. they work. They get me from point A to point B. And that's great. Um, right. you know, and if you're somebody who doesn't have knees that work that way, that is not a reflection of who you are. Like, it's just not like a factor. Right. What would you call it if like, okay, so when I was little, my doctor did the thing where they project how much you're going to grow oh, yeah. and how tall you're going to be. And they told me that I was never going to be taller than I am right now. They were correct. I'm five feet, four inches tall. Uh-huh. And uh, when they told me this, I was devastated because everybody on my dad's side of the family is really tall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to be like them. And I mean, the women in the family, the men in the family are all like six feet or under, but the women are all really close to six feet tall also. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so they were like, when I was really upset that I wasn't going to be tall like them, they were like, well, you'll fit into clothes that nobody else fits into. And I felt like that was such a terrible consolation prize for the right. doctor. Like, yes. I'm like 11. I'm not thinking about clothing choices and like yeah. how hard shopping is going to be. I'm depressed because you've told me I'm going to be a really short person mm-hmm. and less than people around me for the rest of my life, basically, is how I think I interpreted that. Yeah. 11. Well, I mean, this is, uh, to me, that touches on that kind of... Um, that feeling like in little miss sunshine when what's his name finds out he's colorblind and he won't ever be able to be a pilot. Yeah. And it touches on that kind of like, uh, it's, I I don't know how to explain that feeling. Like, I feel like there's a good word for it, but um, to me, that's kind of, because like, you know, that's a a cold, hard fact, right? Like he's just, you know, no one's going to hire him to be like a, you know, a fighter pilot or whatever. Cause he's right. You know, he's got, damaged vision and that's a deficient deficient yeah Mm -hmm. um deficient in some way and i just think like as a society we don't do a very good job of like 
being more like warm towards each other and like you know providing like like this concept that like doors open and close all the fucking time and like mm-hmm. stop worrying about the future that you like until you get there i i don't know I, i'm not sure yeah. how to like and like conceptualize this but it just it's something that i very much like feel because like my dad was very much like he's like constantly drilled this fear into me that doors would be closed for me forever by my actions today that are like you know for 10 years down the road and how fucked yes. i'm gonna be because i didn't do my homework today or i didn't do whatever and it was just like you know this crippling anxiety by the time i got to college you know totally when i was in kindergarten my parents were like they had this cascade effect where they were like well if you don't you have to be the smartest kid here so that you're the smartest kid going into the next thing so you're the smartest kid going into the next thing so that you can go to college someday right I was like, that's what I was thinking about when I was six. <laughs> right. It's just like, God damn it. I know. Fuck. Like it they put that in there and it has been in there. It became a part of my psyche as if I had put it there myself. I mm-hmm. cannot accept failure. <laughs> failure is not an option. I hate failing. And I do it all the time. <laughs> right. And that's what I th- I've just gotten used to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean I'm kind of the same. Like I really I avoid things that have like high risk for failure because I'm like I can't I can't cope with the you know. Yeah with the, the fallout nut. of it like the rejection right. of it um yeah my parents had me thinking that like because no one taught is... me that, oh sorry go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say like we don't we don't have like a teaching around the idea of like hey you just keep failing until you succeed like that's the normal right. process like everything yeah. i do in my daily life reinforces that that's true as a software developer it's like I keep writing code that doesn't work until it works. And then I move on to write co- new code that doesn't work until it works. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So this idea that it's like, get it right the first time or you're fucked is like not real, Mm-mm. but we constantly, I think as at least in Western, in the society world that I, my worldview, it seems like that's constantly being sort of touted. Yeah. So uh, when I was a kid, my mom had this like sort of weird attitude toward my schoolwork in that they they're they kind of held simultaneous truths at once right so mm-hmm. my parents were not a students neither of them were of but not. i was right. and i did it pretty effortlessly which i think pissed them off on some level mm-hmm. like the fact that it was kind of a cakewalk for me irritated them right and so if my grade slipped down to even like an a minus there was a a state of the union conversation (laughs) about what the fuck was going wrong in my life that i wasn't perfect and i'm like this is so nuts to have adults grilling a child about why they're not why they don't already know everything they're being sent to school to learn right yeah what do you mean like i don't know these things that's why i'm in school Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm sure there were plenty of backhanded compliments about my schoolwork over the years that I've blacked out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. And honestly, like being excellent in a meritocracy has not ever gotten me anything. Right. No, of course not. Because you have so many other things that can't be defeated by just the factor of like, you know, being good. Right. Yeah. Um, I think like, I think backhanded compliments to are such a, like people who are good at them, it's almost an art form like comedy Yeah. or like the philosophy of a backhanded compliment is to like 
lift someone up and then drop them below they were below where they were before you said something nice to them. Yeah. Like you cause a spike and a sharp drop off in their self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost more cruel than just denigrating someone. Right. Like if somebody was like, you look like shit today, I'd be like, well, I don't really care about your opinion if that's how you're going to present it to me. But if someone's like, I like what you did to your hair, except that your roots look weird. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I love the, um, I, the most, most backhanded compliments follow that like classic formula, which is like, I love this about you, but I love, but <laughs> like, I love you, but, yes. and then it's like, and so it's like this great thing about you would be great if it were only, f but for this one problem, this one flaw that you have. Yeah. So you should be, you should really feel good about yourself. You, you'd be great if you weren't you like listen so i'm looking on this website called pomely.com i've never uh -huh. seen it before but they have a list of backhanded compliments oh my God. um and this one uh like i'm gonna read a couple of them and they all follow the same formula um so this one is that is such a cute car i had the same model for my first car when i was 16. <laughs> infantilizing yeah <laughs> that's great um like okay uh like here's one i love your makeup my niece watches tutorials and does it just like that <laughs> yeah it's like you have to take whatever the thing is like you yeah. single out something about someone that you know that they did deliberately like how you style your hair or like what clothes you put on oftentimes not always but oftentimes are a, a positive affirmative deliberate choice right 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 um so these like how people's outward exp out outward expressions and how they present themselves are presumed to be, to be deliberate by people right which i don't think is necessarily accurate all the time like a lot of times i don't i'll go days without looking in a mirror yeah because i just don't yeah, it's not really, really a big care. factor most of the time. Yeah. And then I realize like I may I may have something weird on my face and leave the house and no one's gonna say anything to me. They're just gonna think some weird thing unless they make a backhanded compliment. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I love the like I love that the goal of backhanded compliments is always some obfuscated thing. Mm -hmm. Like I want to infantilize this person, so I'm going to tell them that I used to own a car like theirs when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Or like, I want to um, destroy someone's self-esteem, so I'm going to comment on how like <laughs> ham-fisted their mm -hmm. appearance is. Um, I think like professional backhanded compliments are pretty tough to take too. Sometimes, like oh, how you God. said, "Oh, yes. you did a lot of work today." Yeah. Like, I I'm sorry, is that surprising in some right? way to you? Yeah. Like, well, fuck. that's my, I mean, that's been my biggest beef with like my current employer, right? Is mm -hmm. like, I, you know, we got into, we got into it. Cause I was like, you got to stop saying these things. I'm not right. hyped. I'm not motivated by you liking me or liking my work. Like right. all you need to do is say, this is meeting our expectations or not. Right. And like what needs to change? Yeah. Don't fucking like I I've been doing this for 25 years. Like I don't need to hear how great I am or not. Mm -hmm. Like just, just like, get the job done. Just tell like, me what the job is. I'll do it, the job. Yeah, exactly. Just tell me what the work is and let's get on with it. Like, does that meet, 
you know, does that meet the deadline? Great. Does it not meet the deadline? Like, let's adjust. What do we need to do? Um, right. Yeah. Don't tell uh, me how I'm doing such a great job right now. Right. <laughs> I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> this I just feels don't. insincere. <laughs> yes. Like, it also just feels weird. It's like, God, like, ew, get away from me. I don't know you that well. Right. Yeah. The, the, like, whenever you're, employer crosses a, a like a personal boundary line it's yeah. so weird because it's yeah. like what do you do with this like right if you don't know as my boss that what you're doing is inappropriate i don't know how to like tell you that well and the power dynamic is one where you can't right you can't yeah. like yeah, I, you can't. I i did and i was severely punished for it right i was like i don't like how this guy talks to me i'd like to work under somebody else and they're like great well we're not going to do that we're going to have you guys work it out and by that I mean you're going to meet every day now instead of once a week. I still can't believe that. That is like Yeah. That is like the meta backhanded compliment. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk too much about my like personal work just cuz that's kind sure. of, you know, um on a public platform, but uh you can see like it it gets problematic in the work environment, right? Like it's just right. like um I think I think if you want to pay somebody a compliment Tell them that their work meets the requirements that are agreed upon. Right. And then if you really, really think they're doing great, just fucking pay them more. Oh, right. Exactly. I Give know them... we've talked about that. <laughs> yeah, like that's the, that's the only compliment that actually matters. Right. You know, if you like my work, you reward me by paying me more for doing it. Right. Right. Exactly. That's how this works. Yeah. yeah. And um, if you can't afford to do that, then think about the business a little bit and work on that. Maybe you need to do better work then. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. like if if the work is good and the person you're paying you is turning out good work, then they deserve to get more of the profit sharing in some right. way. So anyway. I just watched a documentary. This is a little departure. Yeah. Uh, I watched a documentary that featured Mel Brooks, um, which was excellent, yeah. called The Automat. And it's on HBO. Yeah. Um, and it's all about the automat restaurants that used to be really popular in Philadelphia and New York, where you would go in and change paper money for nickels at the counter. And then you would feed the nickels into the machine and the little window would slide open and your food would come out. Okay. And the whole point, the reason I'm bringing this up is that at the end of the movie, they, they talk about the long history of automats and how they eventually fell out of favor and out of fashion and just shut down. They don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the people who was featured in the documentary spoke about how automats represented uh, a sort of like truth insofar as you can strive to have really good quality and treat people well and offer people something great and still come out ahead. And I was like, that is Wait, not an attitude that's espoused by anyone anymore. Right. As evidenced by the fact that we were just talking about how much cadmium and lead is in yes. chocolate. Yes. And how probably that's the case because there's no incentive for there not to be these things in chocolate. And chocolate right. is so popular that people will produce it by any means necessary to fill the de the overwhelming demand by yeah. rich people rich white people in America and Europe to, for stuffing their faces full of chocolate. And there's just no controls over it. I think that um, one could, should be suspect about any consumable good that is ultimately has like a big emphasis on cost to weight ratio. So mm. like if, yes. if at some point there's a change in hands where somebody's getting paid per like per mass, 
then then there's a huge incentive for them to populate that mass with something of cheaper value. Right, to be adulterated, yeah. To be adulterated. And so there's... Like you cut drugs. Yeah, and so right. it's like, it's insane to me that it's like, you know, in on the one hand, maybe it's good that we're not all dying of lead poisoning. On the other hand, maybe we are. Like, <laughs> because lead is cheap. It's its density is so like its mass density mm-hmm. is so great that it's like you don't have to put very much in there to have a noticeable effect and right. if people aren't like obviously looking for it it's probably pretty easy something pretty easy to like you know obfuscate mm-hmm. um and it tastes sweet and it tastes sweet exactly so it's kind of like it's just like holy shit like you know um this is not a good like our environment is like just you know the way capitalism works right it's just designed to incentivize people to cheat and lie about shit and adulterate stuff because you know we you know it's it's in our interest as the consumer to pay as little as possible and it's in their interest to get as much money as possible for as little you know value as possible right right yeah Um, exactly you know so that we all win capitalism right in the zero-sum game of capitalism Um, right yeah it's just the if the focus is always on the end product, which is the profit eventually, then the whole chain of action leading up to the point where the profit happens is subject to right fuckery. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how else to put that subject to fuckery. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you got the giant pile of cocoa, cocoa, cacao beans here, right? Right. I mean, you throw a couple, like you, you you throw a couple like lead weights in there from, you know, that you scraped off the bottom of the ocean from the fishing industry and Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you've already made a couple extra hundred dollars or whatever, you know, I I don't know what the breakdown is, but that's, there's a lot of incentive to do these things. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, well, now that we're off on this chocolate tangent, it's interesting. Um, I was, I just sent in my soil from my yard for a soil test at the U Mm -hmm. of M extension. And we do have lead. We have a significant amount of lead in our yard, but it is not above the danger threshold. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of phosphorus in our soil, which binds with the lead and makes it unavailable to biological organisms. So in other words, if I consume it, it's not actually going to implant itself in my body because it's bound with the phosphorus that you just excrete later Mm -hmm. um so i was fascinated by this because i didn't i didn't know anything about this and i raised a bunch of food in my yard and then realized i've never tested for lead i don't even know if i can eat any of this stuff that we've preserved right so we had to go and like get the soil test um so it's all good i can eat all of our food but Okay. Yeah. This food tastes great, except for the lead in it. Um, and so like, <laughs> well, it tastes, because of the lead in it, cause it's so sweet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those tomatoes are sweet because they're full of lead. Um, the, the deal with lead is that it binds really easily to, um, like humus, like organic matter that's in the soil. And it makes it impossible for that to become bioavailable in your body. Right. So you can put like, the, if we had a problem with lead in our yard, we've actually already done all of the things by accident that would 
make it safer. We've oh. put a ton of organic matter into the soil, mm -hmm. which binds all of the lead. Mm -hmm. And we so much so that we don't have to worry about growing root vegetables. We just have to scrub the dirt off of them. So don't eat dirty potatoes or carrots and you won't have to worry about the lead, basically. It's pretty easy um, to do. I'm already yeah. incentivized not to eat dirty carrots and potatoes. Right, yeah. right. And I also learned that the lead doesn't actually end up in the tissues of the plants that you eat if they are above ground. Oh, tubers don't even absorb lead. It's just on the surface of them. If there's dirty soil gotcha. that gets you left behind, you eat the right. soil. Right. So the food itself actually is not dangerous, even if it's grown in a generally high lead level environment, especially mm -hmm. if you bind the lead with phosphorus and other organic matter in the soil. So I was like, well, that's super interesting to learn because a number of the houses in our neighborhood have had high lead tests. And I think it's because of our proximity to a rail yard. Like mm. we're very, very close to an intermodal shipping yeah. area that hauls in coal, tons of coal. Oh, um, right just fuckloads of coastal pollution in the neighborhood. And so I was relieved to find that either we're far enough away from it that it didn't really affect us or just that the effect is not as great as I was worried that it would be. And we can actually eat all of our food so I won't poison my neighbors when I feed them now. Nice. This is I mean, positive. some of them I'd like to poison. <laughs> yeah. But not all of them. Indirectly, you mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Passively. Passively, yeah. Not intentionally. Which, without intent, <clears throat> right. Actually, I really like all of our neighbors. That's not. I do too. I think facetious. you have really great neighbors. Um, we lucked out. One set of neighbors has delayed moving as quickly as they thought they would because they like living next to us so much. Oh, really? <laughs> a strong endorsement of our neighborliness. Oh, that is a strong endorsement indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a backhanded compliment for that. Like, uh, like you must be really great neighbors for for people who live in minnesota i don't know I mean, <laughs> you know yeah for minnesotans or like like anything like i think that's so great of you i could never live there <laughs> oh, i don't man. mean that but i mean like that's the kind of uh trying yeah, to get into I, the, the the design I, so of a good it's so yeah. neat that you like it there with all those other <laughs> yes. racist people uh, yes, and right. all the problems all the problems <laughs> so great that you can get along with those people right i think it's great you've created such a wonderful household there in that shithole like hellscape of a <laughs> landscape that you currently live in um, right like you've done such good work <laughs> such amazing work <laughs> oh at some point we need to talk more about that i don't know if we're there yet but um some of our shared work experiences yes. uh just the amount of like backhanded compliments that were going around and being passed off is like soul changing or like life changing like yeah. insight is just totally overwhelming soul changing insight yeah <laughs> We're here to change the world. Yeah. I am immediately suspicious of anyone yes. when you're like, what do you want to do with your life? They're like, I just want to change the world. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh, oh well, that's going to happen whether you try or not. Uh -huh. It'd be cool if you were a little more deliberate. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so nice that you have such vague dreams. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> God. Motivation is really important, especially, you know, for people who lack direction. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm always proud when people find a niche they can fit into. It's so hard when you lack skills. 
Oh, so good. I'm excited because my veterinarian is going to be back from his paternity leave soon. And he is not a crazy doctor. And taking my cat to him is pretty great. And Uh um, what he said the last time I saw him when we were trying to figure out the insulin dosage for my silly cat was he was like, I know it just gets so ridiculous with their food. You're trying to help them and you're trying to anticipate their needs. And before you realize it, you're cooking them a three piece or a a three course course. meal of their choice three times a day. (laughs) And I was like, yep. And the other day I gave Biggles his regular food and he didn't want it. So I gave him some wet food and Damon's like, we're up to two courses. (laughs) (laughs) We totally are. It's so nice that you take care of your cat. Uh-huh. I wish I had all the time in the world to stay at home and do nothing but care for a feline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. I mean, he's a pretty cool cat, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So I have to, uh, I have to throw it out there that I'm really excited um, that a bunch of crypto dominoes are falling. And, yes. Yeah. Um, people are finally getting their comeuppance for mm-hmm. huge fucking Ponzi schemes and ripoffs. And oh, it it's feels so great. You know what I find really funny is like in the wake of this, it's like people are still pushing NFTs and crypto. And like, it's like, like what's his name that guy um just released his own line of crypto cards or something um oh what's his name uh i don't know if i heard about this i've been so hyper fixated on sam bankman freed and his downfall that i haven't noticed some of the other regular news uh, going on yeah um hold on hold on uh Oh, uh, Trump, Trump, Trump (laughs) announced, uh, he announced that, uh, God damn it. I don't know how to open these articles. I think I saw a headline about this. He made NFTs. Yeah. Like he, he launched like some NFT trading card line or something that are, um, basically like, like glorified uh, artwork or like art of him being like a superhero basically right oh. like it's just like it's the most hilariously funny thing um and i think what's funny to me is like it's of course he's doing this like you look right. at his history his track history and it's like he's like all of his shit is like late to the game on pyramid scheme like whatever it is it's like oh we're gonna start like we're gonna start the scummiest of universities like you know when when like um i can't remember what they're called but like online universities started like predatory like practices against Mm -hmm. like students who can get loans and then he's like oh we're gonna do that too like late to the game late to the game like oh nfts like last guy in line yep let's do nfts now like you know it's just which is just well understood pyramid scheme at this point sorry multi-level marketing or whatever but um (laughs) and it's funny to me because it's like it's just insane like yeah the level of hype and misunderstanding and like just horror stories of people losing their money in just horribly large amounts yeah. Uh the thing that um kind of surprised me about 
Sam Bankman Fried and the FTX thing mm-hmm. is that so he sets up FTX, which is a currency exchange. So people like you or me or anybody listening can take our actual real money and turn it into yep. fake money. And then that fake money lives on this exchange or you can transfer it to a wallet. You have to take affirmative steps to do these things, though. Like if you do nothing, it's just going to hang around out there. Right. And then the people who own these exchanges like Sam Bankman Free can take your money that used to be real money. And now it's in a fake format and they take that and then they pay themselves with it. Yes. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it right. because you put it there and now right. it belongs to them. And so then he, in addition to taking a bunch of people's money just straight out, flat out, and then using it for his own purposes, um, he took that money and he turned it into his own coin, FTT, and then he used that coin that isn't actually valued at anything, and he used that in another company that he named Alameda Research, and they made all kinds of super risky, hedgy bets using the money that came from the FTX Mm -hmm. exchange. This is classic fraud. Like, they didn't even try to cover it up. They didn't try to uh, obfuscate it. They didn't try to hide it. They didn't try to say it was anything other than it was. They basically invented money, said it was worth way more than it actually was, and then used that fake money to buy a bunch of shit for themselves in the Bahamas. Yeah. And And that's, that's like all the more complicated it really was. Yeah. And because a bunch of people were willing to accept the theory or the idea that crypto is legitimate and it's just uh, an abstraction of actual real money, Mm -hmm. they were like, sure, buy all of this real stuff with this fake money that doesn't actually exist. Right. And that's what they did. And so now they're being extradited and his like cohorts are rolling on him and talking to the feds because they're all going to go to prison. Like they're the size of their scam is so enormous that it makes what Bernie Madoff did look like. A yes. Fucking I wonder if he's jealous. Gallery. It's like, yeah, I wonder too. It's just like a, like total peanuts compared to mm-hmm. what the amounts of money they supposedly allegedly controlled. And it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if I yeah. tell you, Oh, well all of these imaginary assets that I have are worth like a hundred billion dollars and you can get in on this, but we need large sums of money. If you're a really gullible person, you're going to be like, well, with sums that large, what's my hundred million. I mean, sure you can have it. I'm going to become obscenely rich. If you take my money and do the same thing to it that you've clearly done with other people's money, except like it was all just smoke and mirrors. It's, it was all, it was, you know, yeah, there was never anything. And the thing that I find funny is they're talking about like Sam Bankman Fried lost all this money. His value was like at whatever, $30 billion uh-huh. and now it's down to zero. I'm like, no, 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 no. He, he was never valued at $30 billion because that money never existed. Right. It right. never existed. Yeah. The only money that ever existed was the cash that suckers put in in the beginning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. As soon as it was translated into coin, it became worthless and disappeared. There was mm-hmm. never any money and there was never any money to be lost right? because it didn't exist in the first place. So this man wasn't the richest person by any standards and then lost it all. He yeah. never had it to begin with because it was right. all a lie. Right. And I found so many similarities. We were talking about this briefly. I find so many similarities between his process and the process that Elizabeth Holmes went through when they were both trying to convince people that this completely fake and literally from the very start, utterly impossible idea was a thing that was going to happen was possible and something that you should invest in. And people were like, (laughs) 
amazing. Let's do it. And like when we watched those documentaries about Elizabeth Holmes, I was like, I'm sorry. Is nobody else like completely uh, taken aback by her jarring appearance? Right. And like nobody else seemed to care as much about it as I did. And I I still maintain to this day, and I think Sam Frank Bankman Fried is like proof of this. Mm-hmm. If someone walks up to you and tells you that not only are unicorns real, but there is a fucking stable of them. And if they, if you just give them $30,000, you can own a real live unicorn. You are going to believe this person based on certain things or disbelieve them. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is likely to me that because Silicon Valley only succeeds when the lies work, Uh Like the whole thing with Silicon Valley is it's this like cycle that feeds into itself. If I show up and I say, I've got this really revolutionary technology that I'm developing and I want to keep going with it, but I need seed money and I need investment capital and I need all of this stuff. You are not going to invest in me if what I'm telling you is not more impressive than other investment opportunities, right? Right, right. You're gonna be like, well, why would I invest in somebody less impressive than this person over here who I could also invest in? This person over here is more impressive I suspect they may be more successful for that reason, right? You're yep. going to go with the person impressives you. But I think there's a point at which impressive just tips over into obvious <laughs> lying, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, right? So in order to pull back and rein in a little on the obvious lie, mm-hmm. you have to do something personal to yourself to make yourself seem more believable. You can't show up looking like you've been groomed by stylists and other people who are there to like put forth an image and like precede who you are with some kind of like presumptions about who you are. Uh You have to be like earnest. You have to be like, I really have something that's going to work. I really am a genius and you really should invest in me. And the way to do that is to make yourself look like you do nothing but the thing that you're trying to sell to them. You make your hair fucked up. You don't take care of yourself. You don't feed yourself or like take showers. You sleep on a fucking beanbag next to your computer. And people interpret that as like driven and authentic. And like this kid's got nothing else going for him. Obviously, he must be a genius because look how terrible he looks Uh for someone like him to have a successful product that product must actually stand on its own it's not all smoke and mirrors it's not all like polished appeals and marketing Uh this is a sincere person and obviously if they look this trashed they must have something to go off of (laughs) and that's exactly how fucking elizabeth holmes convinced everybody that you can (laughs) do major blood tests with a finger prick which Uh like everyone reputable in medicine has known forever is not possible right right because where you take blood from someone's body means that you will get different results and taking blood from one part of your body like a fingertip means that you are excluding the type of results that you need to get from a deeper vein in the body that tells you more about what's contained in the blood and so like there was never any basis in reality for anything she was claiming and yet she was like a little silicon valley unicorn that everybody was like oh her personal value is two billion dollars no it's not that (laughs) money never existed because the thing that it was based on was never there and it's the same thing with Sam Bankman Freed, except he's not mm-hmm. fucking around with blood finger pricks. Right. He's fucking around with a, 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 a concept that makes absolutely no sense in to begin with. Like mm-hmm. blockchain for storing monetary value is idiotic. Yes. It's, it's yeah. a really dumb way yeah. to track money. 
we don't have to get into why. But anyway, my point is just that like appearances mean an awful lot when you're lying bigger than anyone's lied before. Yes. Like Sam Bankman Freed's lie is the largest financial lie in financial history. Uh Uh-huh. That fucking guy. And everybody was so impressed because it's like, how can he be successful when he looks so unimpressive? There must be something going on here. Oh, God. And that's how they got away with it. Like, yeah. That and balance sheets that were so confusing, people were like, I'm not going to admit that I'm too stupid to understand this. (laughs) I'm just going to give you my money. Right. Right. (laughs) So I've been just like super Mm. enjoying the fallout from this because it's so rare nowadays that people actually get their comeuppance. Like, yeah. Uh, like I hear these news stories that are like these people over here are doing some crazy illegal shit and then just crickets and it's like yeah so what's the fucking follow up man well that's what like when you mentioned the thing about the chocolate having the lead in it and this yeah. report just coming out I was like right. oh shit so I googled it and then I saw that news report from six years ago that was essentially the same thing right and I'm like hello <laughs> I don't know what to say to that like I mean not like like Clearly, it's a crisis now because there's new evidence to show that it's a problem. But the fact that like, oh, it was a crisis back then makes me think, mm-hmm. wait, we knew about this. Right. And nothing. Crickets. Because chocolate's too big to fail. I mean, I that's a hyperbole, but also. Right. I think you're right, though. Yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I care. Do you want. Uh, we should start a betting pool on whether or not. Uh, synthetic bio will save chocolate and coffee from environmental extinction yeah i mean this is a good question like i think um if financially if in from a from a framework of capitalism coffee and chocolate are too big to fail Mm. then those companies should start buying land like crazy and they should start hiring synthetic biologists to figure out how the fuck those plants are going to grow in places that they haven't previously grown. <laughs> right. So um, the problem is that uh, <clears throat> the plants are, or their environment, their natural, their native environment is mm-hmm. disappearing. Right. Gotcha. Right. And so then the question becomes like, where are we going to get our coffee and chocolate right. once we can't grow it where it has always grown where it has always grown and it doesn't grow elsewhere otherwise people would already be doing it because it's not cost effective to grow it super far away from where you want to eat it right but that's what we do because that's the only place it will grow right um yeah yeah as the as the planet heats up Mm -hmm. the habitat for those two humongous super cash crops is disappearing rapidly right and i was reading how much coffee people drink and i'm like this is a huge problem financially yeah yeah there's a lot riding on that coffee money yeah yeah it's a it's a huge issue um yeah i i think about it um i mean i drink a fair amount of coffee i well i mean not a lot i probably have actually i know how much i typically have in a given day which is 12 grams (laughs) <laughs> because you've been weighing it out. That's right. Yep. How is that going? Um, good. It's uh, for the most part. Um, I know if I have 12 grams in a day, I'm going to and I have it early enough in the morning. Um, I will get many of the benefits that I want without a lot of the side effects that I don't want, which is like great. Ah. Um, <clears throat> 
but I'm, I, I'm impressed that you've worked it out to such like a successful yeah regimen that's yeah cool. i mean me too yeah because it's um it's definitely been a bump like it can be pretty bad like <laughs> definitely um <laughs> the you know too much caffeine uh can make me feel pretty horrible for way too long you know it's like a really bad acid trip right like it's just sort of like i yeah i'm like god damn it oh now i'm gonna I, and i know when it happens it's like there's no getting out of it right like it's like right. nope well this is happening now fucking strap in um, right yeah you're just like it's it's in and it's not coming back out again like you're just gonna have to ride it out yeah like i'm gonna have uh i'm gonna have flop sweat for the rest of the day yeah. i'm gonna feel really anxious about fucking everything um you know i'm gonna have a hard time focusing on anything that i actually want to get done mm -hmm. uh you know it just list goes on but i have um, like really intrusive really dark thoughts when i have a caffeine crash it, yeah yeah uh, like i just the subject matter of my thoughts gets really dark like i'll be thinking about people i knew who are now dead a lot or like my dead oh, cat sure, and yeah. his last moments on earth or like mm -hmm. <laughs> every failure i've ever like committed yeah. um you know or whatever it just and then i'll be like why am i why am, why am i ruminating like on such yes. terrible subject matter oh <laughs> it's that four cups of coffee i had uh, luckily all of the people in our neighborhood now know that i have like caffeine issues and so, uh, so they yeah. will like tell me at breakfast if i'm a little too eager about coffee they're like no you're cut off <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're out good yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i only usually get there like one coffee at breakfast now at the restaurants that we eat at regularly yeah. for breakfast see like and i'm the same right because like when i have it i enjoy the the prot like i enjoy drinking it the yeah. immediate like that almost immediate like lift in mood and like everything that's like happening from it and so i'm like well this is good keep going drink right. more and yeah. it's it's not good um, and don't yeah. drink more <clears throat> mine is really mine is really bad like it'll start out with just a little bit and then i and then within just a couple of weeks i'm like downing the whole cup of coffee all in one mm -hmm. go Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'll have another one of those, please. Right, <laughs> like 10 right. Seconds like, later, it's like, yes. no, 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 <laughs> too much, too much, too much. Uh, oh God! And I just, I sweat that caffeine out through my pores. I mean, I smell like coffee. Yeah. Coffee and panic. Coffee and panic. This <laughs> is <laughs> like if you smell my clothes the next day. It's like, were you uh -huh. drinking coffee yesterday? It smells like coffee and panic. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so i have um i have this like sort of art snack to finish Ooh. but i'm i'm a little bit torn because well i'm going to tell you about it and then we can make a decision about whether we need to do something that earlier in this podcast i said we try not to do which is to stop oh. the recording so that you can look at it and then we can talk about it mm. um so let me so let me preface this. So um, you mentioned Mel Gibson. Uh, I don't even remember why now. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Okay. Yes. Right. And it made me think of um, Mel Gibson. Gibson. Because uh, I saw this YouTube video of this YouTuber. Um, he has a channel called Bobby Fingers. Yeah. And uh, he lives in the UK. And... Uh, the um he made a diorama about drunk mel gibson the drunk mel gibson arrest diorama is the name of the video oh. and um <laughs> and so 
yeah. So I didn't even know about um, this scenario, which I'm going to now describe. And this is not the point of this. The point of this is that this this YouTube channel, Bobby Fingers, and the artist slash group of people behind it that put this diorama together is this really great art thing that I want to talk about, which is the okay. point of this. But to give it a little bit of context, um, so uh, Mel Gibson was, I'm trying to find the references here. Um, I, I'm not going to watch the video. Well, so this is the thing. So there's a YouTube video of this guy making this diorama. But the okay. cool thing is at the end of it, he then goes and buries it in the woods and <gasps> says, first person to find it can have it. Oh my God. And so has it, been and found? it has been found. So this oh, video shit. came out in August 14th, 2022. Um, and they have a second video um, that is the Steven Seagal chokehold diorama. And oh. um, which is this story. So the, so there's like, these are stories about these like public figures and like these sort of like weird things that happen. And when you watch the videos, you start to get a sense of the fascination that this person or these people have with um, why they're making the diorama and why they think it's a really interesting story. Um, <clears throat> but uh, let me just see. So Mel Gibson oh was charged gosh. with the DUI and I think this was in 2006. Yes. Yep. Uh, um, I found a boing boing story about it and they also linked to the video on YouTube. Oh, fantastic. So, um, so basically, you know, he was in California and he got arrested for driving under the influence. Malibu. Malibu yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. But the, the diorama is great. And the, the, the level of like artistry, I think, and skill that goes into making the diorama is pretty great. And so this is where we reach this point. Like the okay. video is about 20 minutes long. I okay. propose that maybe we stop and you watch it and then we talk about it. Okay. How do you feel about that? I do you have 20 minutes and then we could like get back on and do the rest of it? I have 20 minutes. Okay. I do too. So that's what, um, <clears throat> so <laughs> flying in the face of what I said earlier, if you listen to my whole blurb <laughs> while Meg was going to the bathroom, <laughs> about how we don't stop for anything, right. we're going to stop. And then, um, cause I'm definitely not going <laughs> to ramble on for 20 minutes while you watch a YouTube video. Um, oh my God. Perfect. Okay. So let me know when you're ready to pause. Okay. Let me pull up my thing. Uh, should we do three, two, one pause? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Okay. All right. So we just took a 20 minute video viewing break. Yeah. So we watched, uh, and we were just talking about, um, the, the video by, um, was it Bobby fingers, Bobby fingers, an Irish or Scottish, I think Irish. Yeah. I think, uh, Irish. yeah. Art, art, artist. He's an artist. Clearly artist. he has yes. insane technical art skills yeah uh and he made a a diorama of mel gibson's 2006 malibu california dui arrest in which he was pointing his finger angrily at a cop who had pulled him over on the side of the road right and was doing a field sobriety test um so uh so i bring this up so this is the very end of our podcast uh this episode and so we're just doing a little design art snack right Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and so this particular one as i said is about this youtube channel bobby finger so there's a second video out um as of now so the reason that um there's a couple things going on in this video like broad strokes it's a it's it's a documentation of um this person presumably bobby fingers whoever that is um Mm -hmm. 
building this diorama of this scene that is the right. Mel, the Mel Gibson arrest in uh, <clears throat> in Malibu, California, um, <laughs> and uh, and at the end of it, he buries the diorama in a sort of watertight box in the con- in the countryside of England or in the mm-hmm. UK. I don't actually know where it is, um, but it, it has since been found. But he hides the. Um, the the coordinate locate the GPS location of it in the video somehow, and I haven't actually right. spent time like spent a minute to like look and see, but that would be something fun to do is like look and see if we can figure out how to find out where the coordinates are. Yes, um, but there's a second video that came out about three weeks ago that's about Steven Seagal in a similar design in in a similar fashion, um, which is also buried. I don't know if that's been found. I know that the um, the Mel Gibson one has been found according to the video. So right. anyway. Um, <laughs> so what are your impressions? You just watched this for the first time. So, so yeah. uh, I was totally mesmerized. So yeah. when you said diorama, yes. I immediately thought back to when I made dioramas as a kid out of like shoeboxes turned on their side. And so yeah. I'm thinking this is going to be like this eensy weensy little diorama, you know, tiny, tiny scale, right. um, many, many people. And uh, what what is so shocking about <laughs> the entire 20 minute video is that you see the full complete constructed diorama only briefly at the end because right. it is by far the least interesting aspect of this whole thing mm-hmm. um watching this guy make this diorama so it's probably two feet by three feet in terms of its scale it's about right. Two, maybe two and a half feet tall and probably like three feet wide. Right. The backdrop is a sheer cliff because in Malibu, California, there's cliffs everywhere. So he was arrested. He was pulled over on the side of the road on a hard shoulder. There's a cop car on the sort of right side of the diorama. On the left is Mel Gibson. Standing in the middle is the cop. And Mel Gibson is like pointing angrily at him and accusing him of being Jewish, I think is what it was. Yes. So, um... (laughs) accusing the police officer um there you could probably find the full transcript of everything that transpired in that arrest uh i have not read it and the guy who did the video didn't give a lot of details about the actual dialogue that occurred between the cop and mel gibson but apparently he said some really horrible shit and we all know him as an anti-semite now as a result right so um when he made mel gibson Mm -hmm. he started out with a fucking life-sized bust of mel gibson's head Mm -hmm. that That he he carved meticulously out of clay Mm -hmm. like the process of watching him construct this diorama was utterly mesmerizing because a ton of the shit that ends up in the diorama was actually a cast made from a mold that he made from something else that he made that never went in the diorama directly right yes so the whole first 15 to 18 minutes of the documentary are him creating the things that create the stuff that ends up in the diorama Mm -hmm. um so there's like drunk mel gibson's huge face like Uh, sneering and he scan so he he first he carves all of this stuff out of clay and then he scans it with a 3d scanner into like a cad program and from there he uses digital programs to like judge the things that he made out of clay that have now been scanned into a digital format yes and so he kind of like um, fine tunes and polishes the the physical features in this three dimensional CAD program, uh-huh. and then he three D prints the actual tiny Mel Gibson. So all of the details that ends up on tiny Mel Gibson's face were carved in life size, yeah, and then molded, and then scanned, and then 
uh, printed 3D in tiny, tiny one ninth scale, uh-huh. uh, one to nine scale. Yeah. Um, so Mel Gibson's head in the diorama is probably shorter than an inch tall, and yet contains like and 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 like physically embodies this huge amount of feature like detail, detail and nuance in and emotion face. and expression yeah because yeah, oh, like man the the head the bust that he makes out of clay is its own work of art like it is yes it is quite detailed really well done um so not only is this guy capable of working in clay sculpting yeah like re- very hyper realistic sculpture yeah. he also knows how to work in cad mm-hmm. and do things digitally he also knows how to like mold and pour like silicone molds and all of this stuff and then he knows how to paint and like the the cliff in the back like what we were saying like i i I noticed he does all of these washes and dry brushing and embeds Mm -hmm. all these rocks into the cliff face and uses all these different colors and like glues and acrylic paints and like watered down stuff and it just it comes out looking like a cliff face it's like unreal how realistic it is yeah and then um he like he has like little he cuts apart brushes and uses those as like grass sprouts that are coming out in between Mm -hmm. the pavement and stuff so like what we were talking about while we were watching this and me seeing it for the first time is how this man puts his incredible art skills to work and applies them in these totally absurd situations like this guy from his sculpting skills should be doing like the busts of presidents you know right right like significant yeah you know stuff that would end up easily in a museum for its quality and its skill and then he takes that mm-hmm. and applies it to mel gibson's arrest i mean this is the type of shit you and i go in for 100 like, percent. yes yeah no, i it's just fantastic. love yeah. all this talent in this man's little pinky and yeah. he uses it to make fun of mel gibson yeah. like almost two decades after this happened right right yeah. So I I was very impressed by the quality of the art. I did not expect the quality of the art to be so uh elevated. Yes. Like it's just, holy yeah. shit. Um he does an amazing work on some amazing work on the cop car. Mm-hmm. Like during the final diorama at the edge of the diorama, he just chops the car off where it would <laughs> extend beyond the diorama. So yeah. he makes this highly detailed cop car and then just gets rid of half of it. Yes. Um, yeah. He he put the dome light inside the car on. Uh-huh. So there's all these details that people will never actually see. Like you said, he puts all this detail into yeah. it. He wasn't going to do the cop's car's interior because like no one's going to see it. But then he was like, no, I'll do it. So he fully decks out. Yeah. In realistic replication, the inside of this cop car that like is irrelevant, like you don't see it. Yeah, and it doesn't have a huge impact on the final piece of the diorama, except that when you're watching the video, which is really the only exposure we're probably going to have to the art. Right. It's you know that it's there. Right. And you like, know. yeah, like you get this lovely like over the shoulder experience of like the artist, and so it's like every little detail suddenly you're like oh like it's a really fun like journey to take right yeah and like, yeah like it's a little voyeuristic but also like that lots of artists that way that's not right not yeah. a judgment like not negative it's just yeah sort of, um yeah i like at like about halfway through i like how you mentioned like you appreciate the element of like serial killer like precision yes. <laughs> when he's working on the cop car he's like sanding it down and it's mm-hmm. this epoxy and he says flat out like i don't like to have this material 
as dust in my workshop. So I scrape it up immediately and put Mm -hmm. it in a bag. And then you watch him sit there and like bag up this white dust material that he scraped off this car and he packages it up like a kilo of cocaine. Like he wraps it in duct tape so that it can't leak out anywhere. Uh Yeah. (laughs) It's perfect. Um, And like when he does the car tires, Uh the, 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 imprint of the the writing on the, the car tire yeah. yeah the branding says um what does it say uh it just says i think it says like cop, cop t- tires cop tires yeah cop tires uh-huh. um and uh there's like it i also noticed that while he was working he has lots of rings on his fingers yes because you yeah. see his hands doing the work the whole time that he's talking over it i just yeah. thought that was cool i don't know why <laughs> yeah no yeah and oh um, cop cop wheel it says cop wheel cop wheel cop wheel like right. hot wheel but cop wheel right um and yeah the i would love to go back in i'm sure i'm gonna watch this video like a hundred fucking times yeah because you'll see something different in it every time it's just there's so much there um i would love to figure out where he embedded the gps coordinates and then like put it into google earth and see exactly where he buried this thing yeah same i i'm so curious and i love that there's like the easter egg of the coordinates buried in there somewhere yeah it's a really fun um it's a pretty fun video to participate in. I mean, the you know, as like I, we both kind of live impossibly far away to like realistically like go chase after these things. Um, but, uh, I would absolutely spend like a weekend, like, you know, or like an afternoon one day Mm -hmm. if I lived anywhere in the area, um, trying to go look for it. Not, not for any, like, I don't have any like desire. I was thinking about like, if I did have it, what would I do with it? Um, and I don't know that I would even take it. Ah, good question good point like if you found it would you like take it home or would you just rebury it for somebody else's i think i think what i i, I don't know like i would I, leave a note in it I'd be i like, think i found what, it i would yeah i would probably just leave a note in it and just be like oh, i found this it was pretty cool i hope like whoever finds this is you know i don't even know what i would say probably nothing other than just being like i found it here's a photo yeah, that's pretty right. fun um good luck everybody because i don't need like i don't have any huge desire and and to me it's like the bulk of the artwork is not in the artifact that's like left over right like it's yeah it's lovely and it's ephemeralness and the video like his commentary is so great i i mean he has that style of humor that you and i really appreciate right like sort of like scathing review of things right like yes um that kind of like absurdist like hyperbole and um what did he say about the like he's talking about the tire sizes or something and he says something about how like in america we have to do things like make things more complicated or something yeah he's like take something that's easy and straightforward and complicated (laughs) like to an absurd degree yeah yeah um and which is definitely like a hundred percent our thing that's like the bottom that's like that's like the when you dig all the way down through the layers of capitalism that's what the princess's pee under the mattress under all of it yes right it's just like like in order for capitalism to work you it necessitates that you hyper complicate everything and then bill for every step of that hyper complication Uh uh-huh yeah exactly (laughs) so i now am like I'm fascinated by this guy who did this work. I want to know what his actual job is. Like he has to do 
something the way that he was so skilled in his movements and deliberate it's like okay you're not just like imagining this on the fly like you have a a knowledge base that lets you know like oh i can i can go chop off some of these particular types of brushes and it will look like grass in this diorama Mm -hmm. or like i'm gonna do this that or the other thing or it, it was clear from the way that he built the model car that he's built model cars before right yeah you know it's very yep. deliberate he's not faltering or halting in his movements at all like i realized that it was heavily edited clearly because it took a million years to make this fucking thing and it only took 20 minutes to watch the video mm-hmm. but his like he, he's so sure of himself in his movements you know you put somebody in a kitchen who doesn't know how to cook and it's like okay you have destroyed this fucking kitchen <laughs> right. like it didn't need to be this messy and yeah. i could tell from how deliberate and how clean he worked that he's done this a lot like he he never had a messy workstation or things in disarray it was very meticulous the whole time and i'm mm-hmm. like god who are you i want i <laughs> want to know this guy so bad yeah yeah I can't wait to watch the Steven Seagal one. Now. Oh, it's it's quite good. I really enjoyed <sighs> that one. Um, it was really on par, like did not disappoint. Right. So I just love that this man spent this much of his personal expertise and time. Yeah. Like capturing the worst moment in some horrible person's yes, life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like immortalizing just this, like this, the worst of worst of this human's moments. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man and the fact yeah. that he got arrested like it's just it's, it's got, there's a huge amount of schadenfreude in there mm-hmm. yeah like who doesn't want to see bitchy mel gibson oh, right. <laughs> right yes <laughs> he's not even that good of an actor right <laughs> you know yeah wow so yeah I, I i think that the artist said that he read mel gibson's autobiography did I catch that? Uh, that's possible. I didn't watch. I didn't listen to all the audio or watch it. Also, yeah. Damon says Dave yes. I'm right about that. Gotcha. So he yeah. he wanted to get inside Mel Gibson's head yeah, before yeah. he portrayed him in a diorama. It's so dedicated. I admire this so much. I think that's where I um I kind of got that like serial killer detail idea yeah. from because yeah. he definitely. Um, and I'm not suggesting that he's a, this person is a psychopath or a right. psycho killer. It's just this. There's a level of like the way the video is produced and the way that he talks about the nature of these humans in their in their worst moments. Yes. Um, that feels very like um, like psychological and like very mm-hmm. like it's it's very interesting to me because I to me I'm just like I don't know if I'd be comfortable being that intimate with somebody's like personal life. Yeah. Yeah, like you really would get to know somebody. Yeah. Man, how bizarre. I this is so great. I love these little like art nuggets you've been finding lately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this and this and the boiled hams or steamed hams. Steamed hams. Yeah, um, well, I'm it's one of the reasons I love this podcast well, our friendship to be honest, but also the <laughs> podcast like yeah. is that there's somebody in my life and a place in my life where I can actually like talk about shit that like, cause a lot of this stuff, like I get super into it and I'm like, this is fucking cool. And like, I'll share it with people and they're like, eh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I know they don't get it. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, like this, like look how fucking and look at it. And I get it. Like a lot of people in my life are fucking busy with their lives. Right. It's like, they, yeah. you know, this is the thing I choose to spend my time on. It doesn't mean they have to be fucking obsessed with the same shit I am for right. us to be friends. It's just, it just, 
It just means they're missing out. It just means they're missing out. Right. Exactly. It just means they're doing it wrong. <laughs> they could be laughing 65% more of the time <laughs> yes, exactly. if they would just follow our lead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Care about what we care about. <laughs> right. If you just cared about what I care about, everything would be great. Um, It'll work out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was, this made my fucking day. Nice. I. I've been sick with the shingles for the third time for a really long time and I had a really dumb day yesterday where people kind of trampled me repeatedly and I was just feeling like shit today. I slept until three in the afternoon because I was like, I just want today not to happen. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I woke up and got this. This is so great. (laughs) Turned everything right around. Yeah. Cause I was like, um, you know, I was texting you and I was like, Oh, Meg's probably out. And I texted Damon, um, uh, kind of unrelated but he's like oh yeah. i think actually meg's passed out on the couch she's probably ignoring her phone i was like that's fine you can you know he's like i'm not gonna poke the bear i was like this sounds good because i like he was like you're putting off strong like do not disturb vibes oh. and i was like oh yeah i mean not not in a bad like yeah. understandably like you cohabitate that's with somebody fair. it's like you try to just right. be like okay like that person needs to be left alone um i had like the ten thousand yard stare all day yeah when I was awake yeah when i yeah. was awake for it yeah, this was a perfect, a perfect topper. To well, good. Own. I hope I properly hyped you for this podcast because I you think did. beforehand I was like, you, whatever your level, like your fear of disappointment should be like paralyzing. <laughs> That's how good this is going to be. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. Woo. Um, I mean, in some ways I'm disappointed it wasn't more disappointing, but. <laughs> right. That's always a fear, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how that's how I know that disappointment is an absolute in the universe. Yes, right. You're yeah. either disappointed or you're disappointed you weren't more disappointed. And yeah. either way, you're just disappointed. <laughs> right. Right. That's how like, you know, in the movie Inception, if you spin the top and it never stops spinning, you know that you're in like you're incepted. Yes. This is how I know that I'm in reality. If I stop being disappointed, it's not real. It's not real. <laughs> if, the, if the disappointment stops. <laughs> that's my that's my grounding point. My handle right. on reality is like right. disappointment. How Am what's I my level of right now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm real and I'm awake and this is reality. I'm, okay, great. Right. Yeah. This is not a dream. I'm actually yeah. awake. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, uh, nailed it. Well, I mean, you know, I wish that I could come up with a super snappy backhanded compliment about how great a job you did sourcing this art material today. And I just don't have it in me. I'm such a Oh, I mean, I can self-apply that one. I mean, I did okay. a pretty good job for a middle-aged white man. Right. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 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 Good one. Keep trying. Keep trying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep working at it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um well i feel like we appropriately got off topic and yeah we did a good job today yeah we we talked about backhanded compliments and mm -hmm. infantilization and poison chocolate and the automat and Mm -hmm. then the the art snack of mel gibson getting arrested by Mm -hmm. in bobby fingers diorama it was so great oh so good all right accomplished mission accomplished so uh do you want to tell people how they can email us and tell us how great we are yeah, you can email Dana, D-A-N-A, at fcvm.io to complain or complain send your yes. laudatory appreciation. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> I Lately, I you know i watch a fair amount of youtube and almost nothing else when i'm watching i not that mm-hmm. i like sit around watching youtube we're constantly, both but gravitating this direction yeah and um and not just youtube but like mostly youtube i find is like i can cur- um curate my feed mm-hmm. pretty good in there and i enjoy yes. what i get to see and 
Yep. Um, but one thing that just fucking drives me nuts that I say a lot at work now when people like when we're on Slack is uh-huh. at the end of the conversation, I just say, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe. Because people say it, it like, like it's ubiquitous in the fucking YouTube video. In Smash the, because, that like button. Yeah, because like they have to to survive and it's right. so dumb but i will say like the bulk of the channels i watch don't do that and for good reason because i'm like oh like you guys are doing this not for any other reason other than like the love of what you're doing yeah. like this guy like he's doing it for the love of this like like when you watch this video when you watch bobby fingers um and i hope you will you will you better you better yeah um it's you get the like you get the like care and detail and love of this like particular medium that he's working with and Mm -hmm. and i think it's across the sort of audio visual spectrum and it's pretty great but yeah i wish i cared about anything as much as he cared about Uh, making that fucking stupid diorama right gibson yeah yeah it's it's kind of like this um i don't know if it's real but like it gives the feeling as if he's in this like sort of like flow state of like just kind of moving through this like process of building and creating. Yes. Um, He does capture a flow state very well. That is, that is definitely true. Oh, so good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Send us email. Yes. Or don't. Or don't. I mean, do, do you, but uh, if you're, if you found this interesting and you want to participate in it, that's a way to do it. So, Cool. cool. All right. Well, thanks, okay. everybody. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay.